We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. Welcome to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, Ed Meyer. And good evening. Welcome to Winning Ponies. I'm your host, Ed Meyer, and glad to be back in the saddle talking horses with you. A little hiatus last week was at the Orleans playing in the Horse Player World Series. I don't know how to tell you. It is... 697 of some of the best people that you're ever going to run across. If you're not a contest player, become one. I think you're going to love it. I think you're absolutely going to fall in love with it. I had a great day one. I'm, not going, to, I'm going to say a very solid day one. Solid. As, as in, this is a nice building block, a little foundation. Day two was so damn bad. I couldn't find myself with a search warrant and kept running third. I'd rather run dead last because it only pays for winning place. Day three, made a run at him again. But I had a terrific time, met some great people, sat with two guys from California, and their phone rang constantly. I believe that they had, I'm going to say, an advisory and or silent partner, and they were just the greatest guys to sit in yak horses with. Two fine gents, another gentleman from New York, and he could handicap. All three could, and jump from New York. He could handicap. We talked a lot about uh, a lot about that. That was at my table. Really enjoyed it. Buckled down. Did okay in the first round. Second round, they beat me to a pulp. Third day. I mean, it's a grueling three day. It's it's like uh, it's like the Iditarod and the Daytona 500 all rolled into a big fat burrito. But still, in all, a great time had by all. And uh, thanks to our good friends at Winning Ponies, I I tried to fly the flag and. Made one hell of a run in them on day three. But you know what? We'll get them next year, and we'll get them in the fall, and we're playing for even more money this year. What's happening tonight? Winning Ponies predictions, over a million dollars. Actually, $1 million, 28518 as of right now, because there are still races going on. That is incredible there. The exotic predictions are on fire. We're not even into March yet, and we've already cracked the $1 million mark. Hopefully that was all in Oh, in part, uh, to help you uh, have a bigger and better day at the track, check it out for yourself, www.winningponies.com. That's three W's.winningponies.com. And, you know, I was going to read a little something here on the testimonial side of life. You know, I, I, was, I was reading a couple here. Uh, Stephen O. from Cutler Bay, Florida, on the 21st of February, I pride myself on uh, return on interest, re- return on investment at Gulfstream's turf. But this season, you guys have really made an impression on my gang. Keep it up. 
Stephen O., you keep it up and you keep rolling a GP because uh, there is a lot of action to be had on the turf down there. Various members from the latest Winning Pony member survey on Wednesday, February 16th. Now, below them, I'm going to kind of encapsulate a few of these. Stan D. from Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Winning Pony's team is consistent in its analysis of each and every track they cover. I know which track is going to strike my fans on any given day. Stan D. right to the winner's circle. John M. from Garrett, Kentucky. I like Kentucky guys. That's me. I like the way Winning Pony categorizes horses, makes it easier when constructing exotic wagers. Get him, John. Armando G. from El Paso, Texas, has picked more winners using Winning Ponies than any other services he's subscribed to, and he's went to many, and he will not name any. I like that. That's holding it, but he says he loves the website. Wayman B. from Los Angeles, California, I got more winners from Winning Ponies than all of the other sites combined. There's a little bit of a tidbit of the testimonials. We're going to jump right into the biggins because that's the way we usually kick off our week. We go biggins, we do a little recap, and then you get a sweet little story from yours truly on uh, something actually I've written. Not I've written, I've read. I wish in the heck I could write this, uh, this eloquently because it was written, I believe, back in 1874. It was terrific. And uh, I'm, we're going to touch on that here shortly. I think you're going to like it. Guests tonight are going to be Turk Publicist President, a publicity director for almost 30 years of his long, long, beautiful life, a photog, longtime handicapper, good guy, John Engelhardt's going to be joining us. We're going to be talking as we're getting ready for springtime racing. John's always got his eye on the horse flesh, man of many hats, good friend of mine, and we've been handicapping a long time. We're going to have the two Johns, because in the second half, we're going to have DRF columnist, racing official, and incredible handicapper, John Patrick McDoolin. He's going to join us here. I like to call him Mac. His John Patrick is just too daggone long, except on St. Patty's Day, He's which he's already planning on. You can uh, call in and ask him where he will be. And then we got a little news from the world of racing, if we got time, and always some final furlong handicapping, but the two Johns are actually going to be dicing up the card from Gulfstream and a race or two from Fairgrounds. Actually, the focal point will be upon those two. But before we get into that, let's jump right into the biggest on Friday, February 18th. There were 94 total biggins leading the pack, Sam Houston. Race three, a superfecta, 13,598.40. I like it. General Sam Houston did a good job. Saturday, February 19th, 98 total biggins. Louisiana Downs, LAD. Race number four, a superfecta, 7,339.80. And then we go into Sunday, February 20th, 79 total biggins. Santa Anita race three, a superfecta key. As our good friend Kevin Gomer used to say, please sit down. $27,175.40. Monday, February 21st, 64 total biggins. Gulfstream Park leads the pack race five, a super key, 4995.40. Enjoy that if you had it. Tuesday, February 22nd. 36 total biggins. Louisiana Downs, old LAD again, race number six, a superfecta, 4,404 even. Wednesday, February 23rd, 25 total biggins. Portland Meadows, my man Jason Beam is the, the voice of Portland Meadows. We're going to get old Beamer back on. He's got a, he's a busy man, and uh, we're going to have to hear from Beamer. Now I see Portland Meadows, got Beam on the mind. Race number five at uh, Jason Beam, Portland Meadows. Is a super effective key seven thousand two sixty five twenty, and Thursday, February twenty fourth is twenty one total biggins leading the pack. Gulfstream Park race five a super effective seven thousand eight hundred fifty nine dollars and forty cents. Hope you 
had a big bunch of that because that's what it's all about. doesn't matter if we throw them out there. It's only if you catch them and run to the window with them, and hopefully you are. Given a little recap of last week, most of which I lived and watched every single race at the Orleans, and they put on a top-notch show, and they're already starting to have contests online this weekend for that. We're going to start with the Risen Star Stakes, a grade two at Fairgrounds, going a mile in the 16th for three-year-olds. Mucho Macho Man is the winner with Regina Marat. For uh, for Miss Ritfo, who actually, uh, if you if you get a chance to actually listen to uh, Karen Ritfo's uh, story, she overcame an incredible heart condition. Mucho Macho Man wins by a length and a half over Santiva, who I had, who was a beautiful six to one. Mike Smith in the irons for Eddie Keneally. But Mucho Macho Man, you are the real deal in the risen star. The Mac the Armada, Grade Two Gulfstream Park, one hundred fifty thousand up for grabs. A mile and three eighths on the weeds. Winner Prince Will, I am. Ran in the Breeders' Cup and uh, caused a little disturbance, but Johnny V guides him to win by three parts of a length for Michelle Nehi in uh, Prince Will. I am very nice indeed, and uh, the Breeders' Cup would have uh, led you right into this one to be watching for it. Then there was the Barbara Fritchie Handicap Grade 2 at Laurel Park, 150000 going seven panels. Winner, Harissa. Ramon Dominguez wins by two and a quarter length. Did I say Dominguez at Laurel Park? You better believe it because this guy... He doesn't have any state boundaries. He will go where the money flows. And for Mike Hushan, Ramon Domingos rides Harissa. It's by two and a quarter lengths. Beautiful ride because I went back and watched the race again. San Luis Obiso, Obispo. Stakes, hope I got that right. Grade two, Santa Anita Park, 150000 a mile and a half on the turf. Winner is Champ Pegasus. Joel Rosario for Dick Mandela wins by a dirty nose over Bourbon Bay. We'll have to ask John Inglehart uh, about Bourbon Bay. Rafael Bejarano was aboard Bourbon Bay doing his best for Champ Pegasus' best. Bestest uh, guy right at the wire, but it was a good race indeed. The San Carlos, a grade two at Santa Anita Park, 150000 up for grass, going seven panels. Winner, the Smiling Tiger, Joel Rosario and Jeff Bond wins the San Carlos. The Rachel Alexander Stakes, grade three at Fairgrounds, going a mile and a 16th for three-year-olds. Catman Blue is back and back in a big way. Julian Lepreau and Ken McPeak win by a length and a quarter over Inglorious. Catman Blue knows no boundaries. Turf, poly, dirt, broken glass. Catman Blue may be the real deal. So this is something you're going to want to keep in mind, not because I'm saying it, but because it's it's a Ken McPeak trainee, and I saw him in the uh we saw him in the uh, the winter circle with the microphone in his face an awful lot after the race and that's usually a pretty good sign and if you go back in the podcast you will hear both lay peru and ken mcpeak see start with winning ponies you just go right up from there <laughs> you know i can't even say that with a straight face because kenny mcpeak's one of the best trainers uh out there in the land and you know what that's another question was john Inglehart. as i see we got three minutes to break and he's on hold where ken mcpeak started you know I, i'm gonna bet john a Diet Coke that he can't uh, he can't probably come out with that one. Fairgrounds Handicap Grade 3 winner is Expansion. Gerard Melance and Steve Hasmussen wins by a head. A beautiful 32-1 to one had it out there. The Mineshaft Handicap Grade 3 of Fairgrounds demarcation is winner Rosie Napravnik for Paul McGee. Marty McGee's uh, little brother and one hell of a trainer wins by a head. Demarcation. Then we had the Sabine Handicap Grade 3 of Gulfstream. Winner is also Marina Johnny Velasquez and Todd Pletcher. That is a little bit of a, of a recap if you were under a rock and you missed it. 
I wanted to throw this out at you as much as I possibly can. I believe we got about two, three minutes here till we go to break. Collins Ghost. I like to read a lot of the old, old stories there, and uh, actually a lot of historical stuff. It's called Remembering Sam Johnson. Now, this is a, a story in 1974, and it says, History is rarely, rarely kind to those who work behind the scenes of the backstretch to encapsulate it because it's a pretty big story, and we have two minutes. He was thrilled to actually come across this from February 1974 about an old race tracker whose name might otherwise have disappeared from the historical record had it not been an event coordinated by Naira. He, on this date, when they wrote this, it was his 100th birthday. He worked at New York Racetracks for nearly 80 years as a backstretch worker. It appeared in the Baltimore Afro-American on February 26, 1974. Here's a few excerpts. What he had to say, horse is healthy to you, said Sam Johnson, and he ought to know. Since 1892, the son of freed slaves has been a stable hand exercise boy and a one-race jockey, trainer, groom, and hot walker. How cool is that? At 100 years old, he had a birthday on that Friday when they wrote this story, February 26, 1974. Naira marked the start of Johnson's second century with a luncheon and birthday cake. He was born in Lexington, Kentucky, one year before the first Kentucky Derby and made a trophy presentation to the winner of the Swift Stakes at Aqueduct. He came to New York in 1892, and he saw his first Swift, which was inaugurated in 1885. I read this, and I just couldn't believe it. It actually kind of made me tingle and feel good when I read about it. He said he, he rates Man of War Exterminator Secretary as the best horses he had ever seen. Ogden, Futurity winner in 96, was one of Johnson's favorites since 1896. He said his legs went bad. I took him swimming in the ocean off Brighton Beach. Me hanging on his tail for miles a day for a month. Helped him. First day back racing, he went at seven furlongs, then nine furlongs, first and fifth in the same day. He walked hot at Belmont Park until a few years ago, and they asked him what about the next century. He figured, I'll just take it one year at a time. This is a really cool story. It was on Collins Ghost. A lot of historical pieces there about Sam Johnson, an old racetracker, and that story he dug up was from 1974. Well, it is time to head out to our first break. We've recapped. We've given biggins. We've given a little tidbit of a story, and we've introduced. We're going to have the two Johns on tonight. First and foremost is going to be joining us is Mr. John Collins Ingor, which he's uh, been a many-time guest upon. I owe him so many beers that... I hope he doesn't make me pay up. But, hey, you're going to have a whole lot of great handicapping and listening to a man who wears many hats in racing, but you're only going to get it. We stay here for more Winning Ponies. And it thrills like the horns on my Silverado grill. And I buy the bar, double round the crown, and everybody's getting down in this town. Your internet flagship station for sports. America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horstradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard Hitting Radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard Hitting Radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back once again to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer. Thank you for taking your time to join us each and every Thursday 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, depending on which side of the coast. It's either right or left, or maybe you're stuck in the snow in the middle. But this is the time. This is our second segment where we are pleased and proud and honored to have on a special guest this week. No different. Joining us this week is a long-repeated guest, who, which only means he's just that damn good. He brings much to the table. Turf publicist, president, former, longtime publicity director, handicapper, fan educator known as the regular guy, Photog, and makes the best potatoes Collins in the world, Mr. John Engelhart. How you doing, Ed? I'm feeling good, man. That was a mouthful. Absolutely. I only agree to be on the show because you boost my ego up so much I feel great for a week. <laughs> well, all of it's true, and a man of many, many caps and hats, and and John, it's always good to hear back from you, and, and uh, we're going to try to pinch you. If, if I if I figure if I get it actually uh, where it's actually on podcast, that means it's going to be harder for you to get out. As we get a little closer to the Derby, can we count on you? Oh, please, please do. And the bluegrass this, and all, and all the important like It's going to be a fun year. We're going to find out a lot after Saturday, and then of course after March twelfth. Uh, but there's some young upstarts out there too that that could uh, you know be a factor in the three year old scene. You know, I think the three-year-old scene this year is just going to be, I don't, it, there was an old saying in The Godfather, I don't think our, our true enemy is yet to reveal himself. I don't think the horse is yet to reveal as of yet, and I'm still waiting, but, you know, that's the best part of racing. Everybody has an opinion here. And, John, as, as we're coming on, and we're, we're to, we were talking off the air, before we even get started, you brought up something uh, the greatest handicapping tool, and I have to say kudos to everyone involved, uh, a lot of smart folks that put this together. You went back to night school, John. Yes, I did go back to night school, and deservedly so. On Monday <laughs> night, uh, 
some pretty decent handicappers, uh, Joe Crisfick and uh, Jeremy Plonk, who have you know been out there for years. Anybody that's uh, that's been in racing, particularly in cyberspace, knows both of these guys know how to handicap pretty well. Uh, and they put together a great concept. Basically, what they're trying to do is they're trying to bring together uh, people just like listeners to your show, uh, in kind of a similar format, to have a, a video discussion about what's what's going on in racing but we all say you know you know racing's a dying breed how do we train you know young people to handicap and basically that's what they're doing they're, they've put out almost like a like a college format only it's it's not as hard as college trust me on that and and they're breaking down different subjects every week uh as far as trying to help you to learn about the sport and to learn about handicapping it's called night school and it's free and there's a lot of excellent sponsors a lot of tracks have jumped on board uh the daily racing form uh the ntra uh but it's, it's called night school and i'm sure anybody who wants to google it will, will find out but it's kind of neat it's kind of like you know for, for for an hour and a half two hours you're 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 with uh, people of similar likes and interests but it's a live chat and you can go back and forth, and they break it down into different segments. You know, at one point they're teaching you, and then they open it up to questions. And it's pretty neat because everybody, you know, comes from a different side and, and has different questions about the sport, you know, at different levels and handicapping. Um, I really think it's something that's going to catch on. Again, it's called Night School. It's on every Monday night. Uh, check at a racetrack near you. Uh, in uh, If a racetrack sponsors it, you get to sign up for free. So I, I just think it's a fantastic tool for uh, fan education, Ed, which is we know we all need. In fact, we do. I, we both believe in it greatly. You, yeah, you know, I carried the torch for some years at a couple of tracks we, and, and had the luck and to do that with you, and you've been doing it since day one. And I'm not going to say how many, how many years it's been. It's not as many as the Derby, but it's been a long time since you've been educating people, especially as uh, your, uh, your alter ego, the regular guy, or maybe you're one the same, and I just didn't know it after all these years. But uh, you've often believed in fan, uh, fan education. When I heard about night school, I just thought it was terrific, John. Yeah, everybody here at the nursing home likes it, Ed. <laughs> you know, when you said college was hard, I was going to say, you know, you did all those, uh, you know, uh, interpretive dance classes. I mean, uh, you know, how did you even compare the two? <laughs> Let's John, move on to some horse racing, pal. <laughs> we are 71 days away from the Derby and uh, roughly 20 and a half hours. And uh, in Derby 137 is going to be a pawn. I know your lens will be down there in full force, and hopefully it will be. And uh, if not, you've got a nasty cold somewhere. John, you know, we're already into March practically here. It's the 24th as of right now. Are there any babies that have caught your eye? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we have the, the, the two standouts, are our Uncle Mo and uh, to honor and serve. Right? I think most people in racing would say that, that they're at the top of the crop right now. We'll find out a little bit more after Saturday. But I really like this mucho macho man. Uh, trained by Kathy Ritvo, she's kind of a, an, an up-and-comer in the game. And uh, if, if you go back, you know, there's so many different places that you can see uh, these days uh, uh, racing on the, the, the Internet. It, if, if you can check out the, the Risen Star, it was, it was a pretty impressive race. And, and you know, we've handicapped side-by-side. Side. I'm a big fan of improvement after equipment change. And they've taken blinkers off this horse. He's a pretty big horse. Uh, and just put a kind of a mild shadow roll on them, and it was a very impressive race uh, down there. It was the Risen Star at the fairgrounds, and I'll date myself. I saw Risen Star as a two-year-old at the fairgrounds, okay? So <laughs> you do the math, you'll figure out how old I am. Uh, but the, the, it was uh, 
the important thing is this horse came home faster in the Risen Star than older horses did in the subsequent mine shaft the same day. Uh-huh. So, you know, that's it's pretty interesting. Uh, he ran against, you know, top horses, uh, in, in, including um, the aforementioned uh, to honor and serve during his two-year-old career. And uh, anyhow, to just answer your question without going on, Mucho Macho Man, of the ones I've had to see, impresses me as a horse that seems to be going in the right direction and improving. Well, uh, first off, addressing it by your, uh, new, you know, numerically, I guess. Number one, we must be the same age because I remember Risen Star uh, besting 49er at Keeneland in the Lexington Stakes when the Lexington still had some teeth to it. And uh, so I guess we are the same age. And as far as Kathy Rippo, John, this may be one of the feel-good stories of the year. And as someone who's been on the notes team, you've covered, you, yeah, you, you've been a great part of the Turf Publicist organization. Actually, Mucho Macho Man, I believe Kathy Rippo has had a heart transplant. Yeah, and, you know, like I said, this would be the feel-good story of the year, <laughs> without a doubt. And uh, oh. the thing is, that he's, you, you know, uh, a lot of your listeners probably know that all horses have the same birthday, January 1st. Well, this horse was actually born uh, later in the spring, so he's really uh, a sophomore racing against seniors at this point in time. But I'll tell you what, the way he won the Risen Star really impressed me. I, I, I agree completely, and you know the only thing it scratches my head, and I, I defer to you because you're you're much more of a blood bloodline man than I am. I I, I, I thought maybe a mile and a sixteenth might be the high water mark, but I, I I know that I'm going to be wrong on this one as soon as I take a stance. So he's a long, beautiful long stride, and uh, you know I I like the whole feel, and Kathy Riff was really high. Mucho Macho Man might be one worth the salt there, John. You know I, I wanted to ask you uh, as a handicapper, is it too early to begin formulating a list in our mind or or even actually you know you know comparing it to to uh, past races and such or should we keep an open mind on uh, on the whole triple crown well you should always keep an open mind but i think it's never too soon to make a list because when you make your list then you get a chance to say okay i want to make sure that i watch the wood memorial i want to make sure i watch the, the tampa bay derby uh, i want to make sure i watch the fountain of youth uh, because as, as the horses on your list are in those races, you're going to be able to visually compare uh, one to the other to formulate, you know, who's the horse that's going to be best on that first Saturday in May. I, I agree. I, I've always tried to keep it. as and, I, and our good friend Tommy Lamar, I think he said he decides about the last 10 minutes right before post time because he wants to take every single factor in. Yeah, and the thing about the Derby is, you know, you can overanalyze it. It's so easy to because it is the greatest race in the world. Um, you try to approach it as, hey, let's just handicap this race like I'd handicap the seventh at River Downs. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. What's the pace scenario? Who likes the distance? What horse is fresh? Who's been working well? You know, and, and uh, you know, keep it simple, stupid. You know what I mean? Don't oh. try to overanalyze every single thing. But the the bottom line is, and that you see a lot, is that Hall of Fame trainers are there for a reason. And you've got Todd Pletcher with Uncle Mo. You've got Bill Mott to honor and serve. You've got Nick Zito with Dialed In. So, you know, you, you never want to overlook any of these horses that are trained by a Hall of Famer. I agreed. Oh, oh wait a minute. And the Diet Coke. And uh, where did uh, Ken McPeak start? 
Kenny McPeak started at beautiful River Downs, just <laughs> as uh, you know other people that you've mentioned, uh, Rafael Bayarano, who just missed with Bourbon Bay, who came out of the River Downs Cradle Stakes, and uh, another guy that a lot of people don't know won his first race at River Downs, and I really like him at the fairgrounds this weekend is James Graham, who came from Ireland. Who would have thought that he would have won his first race at the River? And his mom doesn't like his tattoos that much. Yeah, I know. I blew him in on that one. <laughs> and you threw him under the bus. times. <laughs> John, as a man with a good eye for horse flesh, and you, you've been a fan educator for a long time, and you know you go to the paddocks so many times and to actually make your final decisions. As Mother Nature smiles upon us a little more kindly, and, and many people are going to be getting out going to the paddock, uh, spring fever is going to be jumping out shortly. What should we be looking for as players for positive signs in the thoroughbred? Um, well, you know, basically, you know, they're equine athletes. So you take a look at them and you want to see who's looking good, who's feeling good today. You know, we all have a bad day, and a lot of times it'll show. A horse's uh, coat will actually be dull. Uh, you may see his ears flopping a little bit. If he's fighting his handler, he might be saying, hey, look, I really don't want to be over here today. Uh, so those are a couple of keys that, that you look for, you know, in a negative aspect as far as, um, you know, horses that just don't want to race on that day. And, and it's an important factor to look at and see it, uh, particularly you want to look at first-time starters and see what they physically look like and, and how they're acting. On the positive side, uh, you, you want to look for somebody that looks like, hey, I'm here to play. Just like, you know, you, you see a good basketball player or a football player, you know, that's out there and he's ready to go, he's psyched. You can actually, if you, if you watch the horses enough, you can see a horse that's, that's ready to race. And one of the biggest things, it's hard to describe, but it's called dapples. A horse's health comes from the inside out. And there are little bitty dots all along, like, the side of the horse and on his rump. And they just kind of, boom, they pop out. And that just tells you, man, my trainer's been taking care of me. I've been working good up to this race. I've been eating good. I feel good. You better bet on me. So just look for a horse that's happy and healthy. Uh, so I think those words, uh, if you can encapsulate that and uh, take that to the paddock with you, I, I think you're going you're gonna to do a little bit better than you would the other way, and at least you're going to get a fair shake and, and know what you're looking at because that's, the, that's always the beauty in the pageantry of racing versus pulling, pulling the handle or rowing the dice or flipping a card. I mean, that, that's always been racing's calling card is the beauty. And, you know, and the bottom line is it's like anything you do. The more you do it, the better you'll get. So go down to the paddock. Get your butt out of the seat. It's part of the beauty of this sport is watching these horses in the paddock. It's interesting, of course, to watch the interaction between the, the trainers and, and the, uh, the, the, the jockeys. But, but go down there and look at it. You know, again, you're not staring at, uh, at a machine. You're looking at something that's visually beautiful. And most paddocks in America are gorgeous places to be. So I say get out and enjoy it. Agreed completely. John, we've got a big weekend ahead of us, and each and every weekend from here until the first Saturday in May, which I said is 71 days away. I cannot believe that. That number already creeping upon. We're going to start at Fairgrounds. Uh, I believe this. you have a little bit of story on this. We have the Allen Lacombe Memorial at Fairgrounds a mile 16th on the turf. Yeah, Allen Lacombe. One of my earliest jobs in racing was to be the publicity director down at the fairgrounds, and, and I, sad to say, had to replace a legend, and it was Alan Lacombe. They called him the Black Cat. He was a character. Uh, and let me tell you, you never want to replace a legend, by the way. I was called the Yank the whole time I was down in New Orleans. Anyhow, um, the Black Cat, he had a lot of idiosyncrasies. One of them was he was always wear two different color socks, 
because he believed that that would give him good luck. You know, hey, everybody's got an angle. Um, he once ran for governor. He was a boxing promoter. Uh, he fought in World War II. Uh, he was just, he was the old school guy, you know, he'd go down to the Times-Picayune with a case of beer and six uh, po' boy sandwiches and put them in the sports desk and say, how you doing, guys? And, you know, back in those days, that's how you got stories in the paper. Obviously, things have changed a little bit, but the black cat was something else. He was revered. And, and just to, to tie this story up, how much more revered could you be that in your funeral, after they've closed the coffin and they've put you in the hearse and they're taking you to your graveyard, that on the way they stop, pull over, and make one circle on the main track where you worked all those years and then continue on to the graveyard. <laughs> what a salute. <laughs> You've called me Black Hat for years. And, you know, I don't know if it had all this much uh, nicety to it, but he sounded like one heck of a guy, John. He was just a character. It was old school. You know, You know, we talk in racing, uh, the word Damon Runyon comes up. Well, this guy was a Damon Runyon <laughs> character, let me tell you. He sounds like right out of a book. And the Allen Lacombe Memorial, uh, they're going to go a mile and 16th on the weeds. I know you like the... I know you like the greens where John so lead us on. That is race number eight. The rail's at 25 feet. Well, don't bet on a horse to do something it's never done, and then you can say just the opposite. Uh, at the fairgrounds, on the turf, forest uproar, two for two. James Graham aboard this horse for Mark Frostad. As you know, he's always one of the top trainers uh, in Canada, and this is a Canadian bred for Samsung Farm. But this horse just looks like it's sitting on go. Uh, it won the Marie Krantz uh, Memorial and uh, over a couple horses in this field. Uh, I really, uh, I, I think the Forest Upper Horse, the one to beat, you can, this is a bettable race, five to two there. Then you got Upper Line, a horse that ran in, in, in graded stakes for most of its uh, races last year um, and put in a really nice prep race, got a little bit tired last time. You're getting four to one on Upper Line. And, uh, you know, then you've got a couple other horses like Upper Line that are making a return off a layoff. Uh, Exquisite uh, is one. You're getting eight to one on Exquisite. And uh, Bernie Flint's coming in here with, with a horse who came off a layoff won a, um, and won a stakes race at, uh, over at Houston in its first return back. This is going to be Ice Mist. This race is it sets up. Most of them are closers. Ice Mist is going to play. Catch me if you can. So it's, it's going to be a fun race, but I think Forest Uproar is the, the, the one, the one to, to key on. But I, I see, you know, Upper Line, Exquisite, Ice Mist, and Category 7 is ones you might want to put underneath in your exotics. We got exotics. We got them loaded up there. Your man James Graham right against the rail. Johnny, give us your top pick in race eight at Gulfstream. We're going to go over near Miami. I believe it's Hallandale, Florida. Grade two, Devonna Dale, 250000 for grass for three-year-olds. We're going to go one-turn mile. Well, this, this sets up as a, as a great boxing match uh, between uh, a horse who's kind of the, the now horse and a horse that's got the, the back class. Um, our heat lightning uh, last year, I don't think this horse ever knew where it was when it woke up. It was Delaware, Monmouth, Saratoga, Belmont, Churchill, and Gulfstream. That was that horse's routine. <laughs> he didn't know where he was. It's a Todd Pletcher trainee who ran second in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. Uh, this horse may, may have a slight edge on experience over in these uh, horses. Uh, you got to throw out the forward gale. It got beaten its last race, but it got bumped at the start, and it was four wide. Right now, the morning line on this horse is three to one. You don't get that on a whole lot of Pletcher horses. But kind of the uh, the, the now horse that I was talking about is uh, a horse uh, by the name of um, Dancing in Her Dreams. 
Uh, it's interesting that uh, Le Peru is taking off an undefeated horse that's in this field to ride Dancing in Her Dreams. Uh, but this horse uh, is... Uh, Won the one, this race is at a mile, the Devon Adele. This horse won the one-mile Pocahontas last time and was closing in on the horses in that forward gale stakes. So uh, I really think that this uh, it's a, it's a Philly by Tappet who's red hot right now. John Ward does not push his horses, and he's got a feel that this Philly's ready to go. She's coming off Bullet Works at Palm Meadows. So I look at it as, as those are the two key horses, our Heat Lightning and Dancing in Her Dreams, and then underneath I'd put O'Carroll, Roxy Gap, and Pomeroy's Pistol. Got it there in the Devonna Dale, and I love our Heat Lightning, and I love Dancing in Her Dreams, but I'm leaning towards the dream. In the ninth race, the seven furlongs is a grade two Hutchinson, grade two, 150,000 for grams, going to go seven panels, John. Uh, well, um, I, you know, there may well be a freak in here. And that's number three, Traveling Man. I mean, Todd Pletcher, how the heck's he going to get out of his way this year on the Derby Trail? He's got to find places to keep all, all these three-year-old coats apart from each other. This, this Traveling Man makes his first start January 6th at Gulfstream. Going six furlongs, okay. You know, the Hutchinson's still kind of at a sprint distance. Records a 106 buyer ridden out. Of course, Johnny Velasquez will be back in the uh, saddle. So today's the acid test. Was that just a freak, or was that the real thing? And then Dick Dutrow has, has a horse similar, doesn't have quite as fast of a buyer, went wire to wire in its debut at Aqueduct, uh, and has been working forward leaf in this race. That name of that horse is Flashpoint. And uh, I think it, if there's a, a horse in here that might be a little bit of value add, it would be the... Um, the uh, I switched down too fast on my thing. Um, I kind of like Madman Diaries. This, mm-hmm. again, you've sat next to me a plenty of time. This is uh, Wes Ward trained. He was a grade three winner last year. He's taken the blinks off. And since taking the blinkers off, this horse has worked in 59-3 and three and 58-1. and one. You know this horse did not have the blinkers on in the morning for those works. You know that's an angle I love, and we're looking at 6-1. to one. And then we go to the 10th race at Gulfstream, the Found the Youth best race of the day. We're going to be watching grade two, a mile and an eighth, and it is for three-year-olds, John. We're going to go a mile and an eighth. This is sometimes the first time around two turns for many and the first time for a mile and an eighth. I think this in itself is an acid test. The 10th race of Fountain the Youth, John. Yeah, uh, let's face it. Uh, you know, Uncle Mo right now is, is the, the horse that everybody has to topple. But if there's a horse that can topple it, it's to honor and serve. Earlier we were talking about Mucho Macho Man. Well, he couldn't get by this horse. The, the thing that I, is so impressive about to honor and serve is that after an excuse is made and he's been undefeated, all three of those races, Ed, were won in hand rides. Two of them, graded stakes races, the Nashua and the Remsen. If you look at the horse's speed figures, the horse improves every single race. Again, now this horse, trained by Bill Mott, who, as you know, is not known for really pushing horses to try to win the Kentucky Derby. I don't think he can stop with this horse. This horse is working bullets in the morning. He wins in hand, and he's won at a mile and an eighth. Got to love that. Uh, I love the Mott and Johnny V angle. I think that will that will be awfully, awfully tough to stop. And there's only one that was 20 to 1, I believe, is Bowman's Causeway. Yes! Julian Lepreau and uh, Patrick Biancone caught my I eye. I can't believe you just said that, Ed. I'm looking down at my notes, and I see long shot play, 20 to 1, Bowman's Causeway, the French connection. You're going <laughs> from a bug boy to uh, 
Lei Paru and Bian Cohn. At 20 to 1, you've got to put this horse in, in any exotics you're playing. And also there was that, that key race there on February 5th. There's three horses in this race, Shackelford, Casper Touch, and El Graying. It was a mile and an eighth. They ran one, two, three. They've all got good connections. You've got to keep those horses in there. And, of course, uh, Soldat, who was second in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, looks like they're trying to make him uh, a main track runner, and he just has a freaky uh, debut uh, winning at a mile and an eighth. I do like the Bowman running against Mucho Macho Man first time out. John, I like to uh, end up with a little something. I usually do it the Fast Five, but we're going to do the Final Four. And these are yes and no's. And your first answer, you got to flip it out here. It's like Jeopardy with no money. Are you ready for the Fast Four? As long as there's no personal questions, shoot at it. They're loaded with full. It's chock full of personal, brother. Number one, is there any more sport more exciting than racing? No. That's an easy one. Uh, number two, what is the greatest race you've ever witnessed personally? Uh, I would have to say it was uh, a firm's Kentucky Derby. Okay. I think uh, many, of us, uh, many of us concur there. Question three, through your lens, you've captured many. Who's your best shot? My best shot? Mm-hmm. Some horse nobody knows about called Acts Like a King early morning at River Downs in the Fog. I think I've seen it, and it is uh, it is very good, and they can catch it on uh, your uh, Pat Lang Photography website there, John. PatLangPhoto.com. Dial it up. Dial you up. Let's see. We're going to round out, and it's not personal. It's not going to hurt too bad. <laughs> As a man of many hats and uh, folks like yourself, can we help educate and promote the sport back to greatness? I think we can. I think, I think the whole, uh, you know, the Las Vegas days and everything's maybe playing their things. If we can get these young kids interested and, and getting them out there, you appreciate it. I appreciate it. We both know how great this game can be. We need people to continue to do things like, like winning ponies uh, to get the word out there. We realize that all these kids, their eyes are on their Internet, but we've got to get their butts out to the racetrack. Agreed completely. John, on behalf of Winning Ponies, I'd like to thank you for your time. And as always, your friendship. It's always great to hear from you, handicap with you, and, uh, and just hear you, uh, hear you talk about something that's really near and dear to your heart. John, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Ed. I appreciate it. Keep winning ponies. You got it. Thanks a lot, Johnny. Okay, that's John Engelhart. Uh, he's been one of the two Johns. The other one I'm going to jump out to right now, he is on hold, Mr. John P. McDillon. Johnny, are you there? I'm here, Ed. How's it going? Johnny Mac, thanks for holding, and uh, it's always good to hear your voice. Uh, I know you've been driving quite a bit today, and but I'm glad you found time for us. Uh, from a daily racing form columnist perspective, and you and I are going to go head on head here, not comparing, but we're just going to really kind of dice it down. Is there anybody that's kind of caught your eye? You know, uh, not yet. I, I'm looking, I, I just heard you and John talking, and to honor and serve, you know, uh, he beat Mucho Macho Man. He was pretty impressive in the in the uh, Risen Star, run, running a 105. Um, the other horse in there dialed in, ran a big race. And you know, to honor and serve when he comes back, I I look, I, I'm kind of looking at him, um, Uncle Mo's and the Timely Rider, the 12th, which I guess is a week from. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see, two two weeks from two this weeks. weekend. But uh, yeah, um, you know, it's just so, it's so early in the year still. Uh, Silver Medallion ran a big race in the El Camino Real Derby uh, with, with a 106 buyer. And they're just kind of, you know, it, usually you look for a derby horse, you, you want them to, you know, they're going to have to run about a 116 buyer figure. You know, these horses are already over 100, and, and that bodes well for them. 
My dad's 98 years old, John, and he is rooting for Silver Medallion because uh, I believe he's got his uh, first Derby book uh, bet on that one at, at a huge price, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it, is, it probably is a pretty good price. Uh, yeah, I mean, the horse was, like I said, it ran a 106, um, and, you know, it's it's uh, I, I think it's going to be a pretty good year. I, I've always, you know, every year, I don't know, not every year, but for a while there, you were getting horses winning two out of three, and, and you know, everybody was comparing them to the great horses. And really and truly, you have to look at the times, which, you know, I know the buyer figures sort of figure into that, you know, the, the running times of the race. I mean, uh you know, when they run a Derby in two hundred three or something, they're they're not great racehorses. I mean, unless it's, you know, a, a terrible racetrack or something. But you know, if they get close to Secretariat's time of one fifty nine and change, then 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 it's something to look at. John, for for years, I, I've I've had the honor and pleasure of uh, being your friend, and and I've always been interested in hearing more of your handicap. And it always seems like we never have enough time. But we got twelve or thirteen minutes left, and and we're going to dice up uh, uh, three races from uh, Florida. One, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Allen Lacombe Memorial at Fairgrounds, so be four total. But let me let me real quick uh, touch on the uh, future uh, wagers, how they finished in pool number one. Uh, Anthony's Cross is forty five to one. Astrology's forty eight to one. Brethren, fifteen to one. Clubhouse ride, one hundred and twenty-seven to one. Comma to the top, a gelding, ninety to one. Decisive moment, one hundred and eighty-six to one. Dialed in is a beautiful eight to one. Gourmet dinner, eighty-five to one. Indian wow. winner, seventy-one to one. JP's gusto, originally seventy-nine to one. Jacito, twenty-one to one. Mockin, forty-nine to one. Mucho Macho Man is thirty to one. Rogue Romance, thirty-four to one. Santiva, thirty-seven to one. Selva medallion as john was talking about 66 to 1 18 wow. to 1 on sold at stay thirsty is 40 to 1 sweet ducky 79 the factor is 25 tis bless 79 to 1 to honor and serve 10 to 1 uncle mo 7 to 2 in the mutual field which is all others right now as always is 2 to 1 the favorite Johnny, that kind of gives it there, and when we touched on that, I said I'd better throw that out, but I'd like to jump right into the races with you, and let, let's kick it off with Gulfstream, uh, and we're going to go to the eighth race at Gulfstream, the Devonadale, one mile. We've heard Johnny Gorge picks. I want to hear Johnny McDowell, writer for the form. I never get enough time for handicapping with you. You know, I, Ed, we always have a blast doing that. And, and the Devonadale, you know, they're three-year-olds, and, and something I've learned, and I've made some money doing it, and it's not... It doesn't always work out, but the majority of time it does. If you if you go back to the two year old season, um, and, and find a horse's best race, and and I usually I kind of throw out December because you know December's late in the year. But if you get a horse off a layoff and and they've run their best buyer, you can pretty much you know if they run four or five races now one race or something, if if they run four or five races as a two year old and they come back, um, you could pretty much add ten buyer points. On to, I mean, they, they usually jump up that much from a two-year-old to a three-year-old, and even in, early in the three-year-old season. And you know, now we're we're almost into March. So um, the horse I like, and there's the seven, Roxy Gap. I, you know, I'm, the the last time out on the main track wasn't great. Um, the horse is working well. It's Mark Cassie. Um, you know, won three in a row last year. Broke his maiden at Woodbine. Um, that had a restricted race, Ontario bred. Um, and and then one on the turf, so a you know, pretty versatile horse. Um, you know, ran buyers in the upper 80s. If you can add 10 to that, and she's in the mid to upper 90s, I, I think she's uh, she's got a pretty good shot of, of winning the uh, Devonna Dale. 
Nice filly by Indian Charlie there, John. It was a nice run, and the old had a grade three. A bumped at the start four wide uh, and still finished up very nicely at nine and three. Those those are some really incredible numbers. But before we go any further, I want to throw one out. It'll be my only pick. It's in race number seven. Race number seven actually is an optional claiming 80 race. John, you've never heard me say this to you, and or at least maybe uh, maybe you won't embarrass me. I say throw all the hammers you can in race number seven on the nine guys reward. Kentis Hormone, and uh, you know it, it, now Lay Peru is up for Kentis Hormone, I should say, beaten favor three in a row and tight last and flying out, rolling like thunder. There's an average pace. They're going a mile and sixteenth on the weeds. Race seven. Take the nine, guys. Reward. That's a little digressive note there. John just passed on the Devana Dale to us there. So we've got race seven, hopefully mine. Race eight, John. Race number nine, Mr. McDoan, is the seven furlong grade two Hutchinson. You know, and, and John, I, I was listening to John and, and traveling man. You know, that ridden out, um, that, that's one of the, you know, as you know, that's one of the, I, I'm an Equibase chart guy. And, you know that ridden out means that the horse wasn't really urged in 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 the stretch. I mean, he might have been, you know, he might have shaken the reins at him. It, it wasn't, and the guys at Gulfstream are great about that. Um, so basically, it means he had plenty left in the tank, and he still won by seven and a quarter. So I, I haven't seen the race, but but just to see um, twenty two forty four and three, and the horse was gaining, and then just drew off in ridden out fashion. Just, I, I don't see how they could possibly beat the horse. Uh, you know, that, I mean, that that is extremely impressive. There is one horse in there, a long shot, the seven leave of absence. Um, back to my, uh, uh, as a two-year-old, November 7th of last year at Aqueduct, ran a 94 buyer, and then has come back with some great works. Uh, at Palmetto ran, uh, had a best of uh, 33 work on February 22nd. That's the horse I'm going to use, I think, in my exact, as along with uh, the two Madman Diaries that I think John also talked about. Leave of absent, first-time blinkers, uh, throw a by Harlan's Holidays, throwing out nothing but straight darts there. Okay, Johnny, we've got two in the books from you. Then we're going to go on to the big race of the day, the mile and an eighth, grade two fountain of youth, race number 10. Yeah, and I once again, fountain of uh, to honor and serve, that's my bit. You know, I, that's what I want to watch. I, I'll be tuned in to see how he does, what he does. Um, there, there's some early speed in there, um, but I, I don't think anything that he can't handle. And, and he's proved uh, in, in his uh, winning his maiden race that he can come from a little bit off the pace. Um, he's had bullet works. You know, or his last work was a bullet. Last two out of the, his last three works were a bullet. Um, uh, you know, I just, I, I'm, I'm really, I, I think if any, if any horse is going to unseat Okomo, it'll be to honor and serve. And, um, I, you know, at this, this not only will be a, a race to bet, but a race to watch and just see how he does. He said, Macho, uh, Mucho Macho Man did really well in the Risen Star and, uh, uh, to honor and serve has, you know, taken care of him is the last two times they faced each other. And I, I just, now I'm, I'm pretty excited about this horse. I have to say that, you know, he looks all the part by Bernardini, who's actually, I believe, uh, he had to do some action this past week with uh, with the queen herself, Zenyatta. Am I wrong? That is correct. And, and can, Ed, can you imagine, any, you know, if there is such a thing as reincarnation, wouldn't it be great to come back as a racehorse? You get to you get to run around the track, do the best you can, and if you do well, you, you just get to breed with, females for the rest of your life i mean that just no, <laughs> no better deal than that <laughs> if they could only find a way to put beer in your uh, bucket you'd be you'd be a happy you uh, you'd be a happy horse 
That's John, right. There, there's a runner in there, and I had a question about, and to you, is Bowman's Causeway. Three off the layoff. Uh, you're going from uh, Curitalo, uh, who, who actually rides for Biancone on, on the West Coast. If you go back to three races ago, he ran a beautiful third to Mucho Macho, man. You're talking 20 to 1. I'm still, I think you, you alluded to right out of the gate. I'm, I don't think that we've seen the real horse unveil itself. I don't know if this three-year-old Colt by Giants Causeway is that one, but I see Bowman's Causeway you know, creating a stir and getting a part of it. You know, I I, I can't argue with that, and I love Giants Causeway. I mean, I, I loved him in in the Breeders' Cup and got beat, obviously. But I uh, his offspring of always. I you know, I if if I was in the horse racing business, and I you know, he, he seems to me that that his class uh, comes through when they breed him, and you know, I I can't argue with it. I I think that horse has got a shot to get part of it. Um, Another one in there uh, sold that, you know that that like John said earlier, um, that that was a freakish race he ran last time in the slop. You know it was an allowance race, um, but he won by ten and three quarters, which is uh, that's pretty impressive. So, um, you know obviously he's not going to get the lead, but in his races before that on the turf, he you know he, he looked like he'd come up from off the pace and. Um, uh, you know, I think honor, honor and serve just runs around and 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 wins it, and then it's a matter of uh, trying to get the second two and three if you want a better trifecta. That's fair. Uh, you know, with Soldat, John, there's yet to be a fast track uh, other than a firm turf course. Three of six races were held on the turf, and then the other three on the main track was a sealed muddy track, a good track, and a sealed sloppy track. I wonder how Soldat's actually going to take to the uh, to the firm footing uh, by Warfront uh, uh, by Danzig, uh, they usually like the uh, like the uh, the weeds, and uh, hence that's why Sold Out was actually running in the uh, with anticipation of Pilgrim in the Breeders' Cup turf. Uh, actually, that they had a solid turfer there, but you know, do you think that he makes a transition? Yeah, I think he does. I mean, you look at that 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 work uh, February nineteenth. He, he runs a two of forty eight, and, and a lot of times I like those those kind of works where they're not a bullet work, but they're they're right there, which you know, I don't know if a trainer uh, is is trying, you know, not to get his horse bet. You you want to have the second work, not the best one, where there's a little bullet there. But I mean, if you look at all his works on the dirt, you know, five of thirty six. I mean, those are those are impressive works. Um, I you know, I I, th- I think the horse has got a good great shot at uh, running second to uh, honor and serve. Well, you know, there at this price, there's no shame in that whatsoever. John, we're going to switch tack a little bit, go to the fairgrounds. We're going to take a look at race number eight. It's a mile and the 16th on the weeds. The Allen Lacombe Memorial, as John Englehart was talking about, he knew Black Light Lacombe very well in his days at uh, in Louisiana Fairgrounds. Uh, John, we're going to go mile and 16th on the weeds. Do you have any opinion on this race? Well, you know, John, I, I listened to John and Forrest Upworld, you know, coming from off the turf, I, I I wager at fairgrounds once in a while. Okay, pretty often, but they uh, <laughs> there are not that many horses that win on the lead. And I, I think the nine Ice Miss gets the lead in there, mm-hmm. um, and it looks like the Soul Speed. But Forest Upper can lay just off of it, a couple lengths off of it. He's won. Uh, he's two for two there, or she. I'm sorry, is two for two there. She's won her last three. Um, you know, I, I I don't see any reason why she can't make it three in a row at fairgrounds and four in a row. Does look good, but Johnny, don't overlook that out of the ten, I believe category seven. Richard Aramia, yep, the for Kenny Hargrave, three off the layoff. 
and this girl can flat out close. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about that. She's she's six and seven in the money at the fairgrounds. Um, you know, it's a third off, a layoff, like you say. I mean, she that that's the word. I, I'm going to put the three forest uproar on top of the nine and ten. Uh, maybe a little trifecta action there, and uh, and see what happens. Well, as, you, as you've heard John's selections there, just running down real quick in race number eight, the Devon and Dale. I love Dancing in Her Dreams. Uh, Mr. Engelhart talked about it. I think uh, Mr. McDoolan uh, mentioned in, in passing uh, there. In race number nine, the Hutchinson. I love Traveling Man. I concur. Race 10, the Fountain of Youth. I like the 20-to-1 shot. Bowman's Causeway, Lay Peru, and Bean Cone. The French Connections. We're going to get French fries and France dressing, baby. We're going to be living up big time and uh, down there at uh, Gulfstream. Uh, real nice uh, real nice runner here. Three back running against Mucho Macho Man, John. And then I uh, in, in the Black Cat Lacombe, I like the 10, Category 7, Richard Aramia. And uh, as you said, uh, 6 for 7 in the Money of Fairgrounds. Those are some impressive numbers. But, John, it's, as we we draw a little closer, especially to the opening. Uh, well, I can't say the opening because Beale Park is actually is actually up and going. And as we draw a little closer to the spring, can we count on you for uh, our Ohio scene and, and all the other uh, places that you cover? You, I know you cover Presque Isle and you cover Indiana and you cover Ohio, correct? That is correct. And yeah, any time, Ed, you know that. Um, you know, I, there, there was one thing that, I, that struck me today, and I wanted to talk to you about it. Um, if we get time later off the air, maybe we'll talk. But, you know, they, they were talking about today in Ohio, they're, they're looking at an $8 billion deficit in the budget, and, the, and they're worried about uh, $500 million from the from the uh, unions. And, and so, you know, I mean, that still leaves $7.5 billion, if my math is correct. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, don't under, I, I don't know how they can't put, put the slots. And, and education is one of the biggest things. I don't know how they can't put the video lottery terminals at the tracks. You know, I I think they projected that would bring in two billion. It would seem to me that 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 would fix a lot of problems pretty quick. Um, and so I'm hoping and, and looking forward to to maybe in Ohio that that that'll become a reality pretty sooner rather than later. I agree with you, and I believe uh, Governor Kasich is uh, going to give an opinion here soon, but hopefully it's not too late. John, it is time for us to round things up. Uh, time flies when you're talking thoroughbred racing. This week is definitely no different. Winning Ponies would like to thank you, Mr. McDoolan, for joining us. Uh, you're a voice of racing and a man that we're going to tap your knowledge base as we get a little closer to the derby, if that's okay. Yeah, anytime. You know that. And we have Mr. John Collins Engelhardt, who joined us in the first segment. John's been a man of many hats in racing and a great handicapper and a great photog, just a good guy all around. Both the two Johns have been excellent, uh, and they took their time to be with us here as our special guest. So until next week, enjoy the weekend, and may your winners be many and your photos be few. Good luck and good night, everyone. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com.
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 